can't come and not do that. Dear, oh dear. We'll be holding hands soon. Just wait, bear with me. Uh, when we, what we ne- didn't know until years back when we kind of met each other and teamed up again as part of Ray's team, really, in Mexico, that we were actually at university together and we didn't ne- realise. So we were at Loughborough University at the same time in the late 70s. Uh, Andy was a much more spiritual man. He was in the Navigators. I was saved through the Navigators, but I was one of the naughty boys that always stayed a bit on the edge. So never quite got into the inner sanctum. Uh, Andy got in. But uh, it was amazing to find out. We've actually got a photograph from a Navigator kind of Christmas ball, and Andy's on the photograph. Uh, so uh, that was very special. But the real height and pinnacle of our relationship was one particular Mexico trip. And uh, as you may know, Ray Lowe had apostolic responsibility for Mexico, and he would gather a group of guys, sometimes a dozen, sometimes 16, take them over, and it was really something very significant and shaping in the lives of those guys to be released, but also know what it was to be part, have a spiritual father, and really to be developed. Very impressive times. Anyway, on an afternoon off, we were in Guadalajara, and about six or seven of us decided to go down to the market to buy presents to bring home. And it was about, I don't know, two-mile walk, very pleasant climate. It always seems to be pleasant there. We'd been out for three or four hours and suddenly realized we needed to get back to the hotel, ready for a debrief for an evening meeting. And uh, Andy and I, and I spotted these horse-drawn carriages. And of course, the one that pulls up, they're a bit like taxis, the one that pulls up, and Andy and I had already said, we'll travel together, was a bridal carriage with pink heart-shaped cushions behind your head and all decked out in pink. So we rode two miles back to the hotel in this very romantic bridal carriage, trying desperately not to look gay. But loving every single... Well, I loved every single minute because I knew he was embarrassed like he'd never been embarrassed before. So we do have this relationship and we actually entered into a bit of that yesterday. As... I, Tony, I didn't know. What, 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 what's interesting is that we know from my brother's family who live in Air that you do get your share of rain on this coast. We arrive in Glasgow to it tippling down, and Andy says, I've got an umbrella. The umbrella is the smallest umbrella in Christendom. I mean, I've never seen one quite so dainty, and he's trying to get us to undo it. <laughs> so we were walking very intimately down one of your shopping streets under this silly umbrella that wouldn't have covered a child. Not quite ha- arm in arm, but Reliving Mexico. Uh, <laughs> right, moving on. <laughs> on the journey up, what can we bring you? That's what Kay and I was discussing. <coughs> Excuse me. And it was a question that Kay and I had on our minds. I just felt God say to me, the responsibility is not mine 
or Laura take that seriously. The responsibility was dad's. And I really do believe God wants to do something very special this morning. I'm not just saying that because I'm here, because that's, I'm just a bystander in this at one level. But I do think God's got something very special for you. So if you've got your Bibles, if you turn to John 15, you'll be familiar with this passage. Our technicians will get that up on the screen for you. We love what you're finding out about not the presence of God as a theoretical exercise, but as a genuine experience. Oh, can I commend you? Keep going. Let's just read these verses from verse 8. If we had more time, read the whole chapter. To be honest, you could do a whole series on this chapter alone, let alone the sequence of chapters that this forms part of from chapter 13. Verse 8. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit. Holy Spirit, bring these words alive, please. Even now, bring them alive in our spirits. That you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Those are some of the most profound words in Scripture. We need the Spirit's help to really get our head and our heart around just how big those words are. The eternal Trinitarian relationship, and there the Father for eternity loving His Son, and the same quality, depth, extent is how Jesus has loved us. It is awesome. And yet it's just written in a few words. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. One of the commissions... Okay, and I felt, and you may laugh at this, and that's okay, but it was serious. As we moved from Bedford back to Leeds, was to deliver miserable Christians. We'll hit miserable times. Please hear this. But we don't have to be miserable, even in those miserable times. Because there's a joy from Jesus that is not only from heaven itself, but is complete my command is this love each other as I have loved you so it gets more profound as the father has loved the son so the son has loved us and now we're to pass it on to everybody else love each other as I have loved you greater love is no man than this and I, he lays down his life for his friends You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because the servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you my friends. For everything that I've learned from my father, I have made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. 
Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Please take time when you have time to read this in its wider context. As I say, this whole discourse starts in John chapter 13. And that starts by saying Jesus knew where he'd come from, why he was here, where he was going, and now he would show them the full extent of his love. The very next thing, he washes his disciples' feet. But that's the prelude to the cross, the resurrection, and the ascension, and all that that means. I just want to pick out from this passage three key words. You could pick out more, but I want to pick out three key words. First one is love. Second is friends. Third is fruit. Third, look, first love. I know that God's stirring and you're starting to really press into enjoying a fresh revelation and reality of the depth of the Father's love, the Son's love, and the Spirit's love for you. That is wonderful. But I've come, I feel burdened to say there is more. What's interesting, Andy actually prayed that in the prayer meeting. I'd said roughly the passage that I was going to say, but we hadn't discussed it in great detail. And as he prayed that, I thought, yes, that's the Father's heart this morning. There is more. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. And he repeats that just to, just to sway any doubts that may come into your mind. Well, surely he's speaking to the, the apostles or the disciples there. How does it apply to me 2,000 years later? Well, in John chapter 17, and that famous prayer that John is interceding, sorry, that Jesus is interceding and talking to the Father about his purposes, then his disciples. And then at the, towards the end of that, in verse 20, he says, my prayer is not for them alone, his current disciples. I'm praying also for those who will believe in me through their message. And he goes on to say, as part of that section of the prayer, Father, let them know that you sent me and have, that I've loved them even as you love me. So this declaration to his present disciples was not fixed in time, was not just to them and then would die out as they died out. This was to everybody who would believe in their message. Does that include us? Does that include you? We're believing in that message. So the message, a part of the message is, Jesus loves you with the same love as he is loved by the Father. Now, we live in quite a university city like you do. You can academically process that. And actually, it's not wrong to do that. But you can really stay lodged there. And it can become a theoretical discourse. And there are so many Christians in the UK that are living with it here. And they're faithfully living And they truly believe it. I'm not discounting them, criticizing them, undermining them in any way. Please don't hear that. They live on it and they believe it. 
But God wants to make those beliefs a reality. He is passionate about that. And you are starting to break through. And I want to... I, uh, I used to play a bit of rugby, and we were watching the Calcutta Cup. Won't mention the score. Uh, yesterday. And they, they would get one or two forwards to get in behind the wall to add the momentum to push forward. Guess who was the one that was coming, Tony? And I want to kind of do the same for you. I want to get in behind you and push you on. Okay? And one thing I can do is add a bit of weight to things. Okay? I don't... I don't know if you have picked up various comments or things. We don't... I don't believe you're going wacky. I want to get in behind you and push you on. And just turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. I want to get in with you that you're carrying this ball and get in behind them all and get the momentum going forward. Ephesians chapter 3. Pick it up, verse 17. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, and I believe that's where you are. For, for Paul, that wasn't enough. He may have said, I celebrate the fact that you're rooted and established in love. No, he doesn't say that. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, now have the power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. We need power from the Spirit to even begin to experience the depth of God's love. And what's interesting is, you start to read how Paul describes it, and you think, He's giving us three dimensions. He says how wide, how long, and high. Then he adds a fourth dimension, just to show you that this is not just normal space. Now, I don't want to read too much into that, what the fourth dimension is, but he's even emphasizing by giving it four dimensions just how big and beyond our comprehension the love of God is. And how we need help to enter into the fullness of that. Because that's how it goes on to say, to him be, sorry, to know this love that surpasses knowledge. So by definition, it surpasses our ability to know. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. It is wonderful. I think Nick's hit the nail on the head. It's outrageous totally outrageous because we don't deserve it and yet there is the inheritance and Paul wouldn't pray for something to dangle a carrot in front of us to say there there but you'll never reach it he's praying for it because he knows it's there by the spirit and so I want to get behind you and in a sense pray by encouragement and pushing you from behind press 
And please don't get persuaded. Because we've known this much, we've arrived. No, 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 no. You're never going to arrive this side of a new heaven and a new earth and Christ reigning fully on this earth. So keep going. Keep getting hungry. Keep wanting more. Keep being thirsty. Never settle. Never let your friends settle. Not because you just want to intimidate them or make them feel uncomfortable. Because you want them to enter in as much as you do. This is a word to you corporately as well as individually. Don't read it with the lens of Western eyes. that says, this is for me. It is for you, but it's for you. It's for all of you. Every single one. And a whole load more that are not in this room yet. We passed a lot of people in Glasgow. There's a whole load of more people out there that don't know what you're beginning to taste. The love of God. Let this be your target. Not as an academic exercise, but to know it in reality. The same love that Jesus enjoys and has lived in for eternity from the Father is now available to you. The door is wide open and the whole of the Trinity are passionate about making it a reality. The whole of the Trinity and the resources of heaven. Friends, I don't call you servants. I call you friends. That initiative was taken by Jesus. I don't think the disciples clubbed up and took a vote and said, Jesus, by now we should be your friends. I think the initiative for this came from Jesus himself. It's in his heart. It's in his passion. It's always within his purposes. These were not going to be servants. You're my friends. And to all those that will believe this message. As a North team, we've prayed and sought God. And as a result of that, we've chosen some distinctives to try and describe who we are and what we want to be. And our first distinctive that we've chosen and purposely chosen is friends enjoying God together. Friends enjoying God together. And we didn't decide on that as an empty tagline to put under a promotional promoting events for North. In fact, can I ask you to pray for us? Because the whole name North no longer serves us. Okay, because you come south to North, right? <laughs> and it, I know it's not on a convenient date, but you come south to North. We're now in Canada. We're now in Shrewsbury which we tried to persuade them they may be North Midlands, but they're not really receiving that. And that name served us for a while. It no longer serves us. Same as New Frontiers, it was originally Coastlands. And then God spoke and gave us a new name that is still accurate now. We are going through the biggest New Frontier as New Frontiers that we've ever faced as a transition into multiple apostolic spheres. And to be honest, none of us know what it's going to look like. It's exciting. It tell you what, it gets you on your knees praying, which is healthy. 
rather than just thinking, oh, we know the track, we'll just get on with it. But we, none of us know what New Frontiers is going to look like in 5, 10, 15 years' time. God does, but we don't. So please pray, because I'll tell you what, Andy will tell us about our North Team meetings. They're great times, they're fun times, but we're useless as a committee. So we, we couldn't come up with a good name between us, could we? So we need God to speak. We need God to name us. That's a bit of a side. But I just want to say, even by Kay and I being here, we want to demonstrate that we don't want this friends enjoying God together to be an empty gesture and it not be a reality among our churches. Uh, the church where we come from in Leeds, they've said to us, from, we're going on sabbatical in March, three months, when you come back, we want to release you 50% of the time. And about 18 months ago, two years ago, we were invited to come and speak to an eldership couple's weekend based around marriage. And we thought, this will be great. Catch up with some new friend, uh, some old friends, see, meet some new friends, have a great time, go home. On the way home, Kay and I looked at each other and we said, something's happened. There's something about those people in Scotland. Now, please, I'm not talking about any great shakes. I'll come on to transparency as part of friendship in a minute. But what you see is what you get, okay? And I'm not Terry Virgo. But tell you what, we are passionate about friendship. And we are only up in Scotland because we're being released to actually invest the time now to do it. Or else we wouldn't make any gestures. But there's something special about what God wants to do here. There really is. And I want to be on the coattails somewhere, just experience it. And if I, if Kay and I can be part of that, it'll be our highest privilege. But we're here first and foremost to be friends. And Ray has done that so well with you. Uh, your week, what was interesting, I was talking to Phil earlier and we just managed to say hello quickly. And it's the exact opposite from Phil. Uh, and, uh, sorry, from Nick. And uh, we very quickly, and we just got talking about Ray. We would describe him, and this put, us, put me right in the place of I'm firmly middle-aged. I look at Ray and say, spiritual dad. Phil just dropped into the conversation. He's like a spiritual granddad. I thought, <laughs> <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> but you're right. And I love that. You've been served so well. We haven't come to displace Ray, get rid of him. Very much, we feel, spiritual children, come to compliment whatever he, uh, he's, what he has done and what he will do. But we're committed to making friendship a reality, not just a tagline. And I want you to know that. More importantly than that, not only does God want you to press into his love. He really does want you to know, not just, you are his friends. The Spirit's here. Some are nodding. Some of you are giving really good eye contact. This is not criticism for those who are not. God wants to nail some of you. Somebody prophesied earlier that it was going to be like Exocet missiles coming out that would no, do no collateral damage but hit some of you. 
spirits on some of your cases is revealing this friendship even now and for some of you it's painful because friendship hasn't always been good has it some of you friends have let you down that's not the friendship Jesus is offering Spirit of God just bring revelation and breakthrough now healing and open up what it means to be a friend of Jesus oh wow part of his definition of friendship is here in this passage sacrificial love this is friendship the friend lays life down for you and the other thing is everything that the father said to me I've made known to you transparency and this is what I mean by seriously (laughs) what you see is what you get (laughs) I don't play politics and Andy has been round and we need to be big enough and strong enough shoulders Andy's been around New Frontiers and in areas that I haven't been in for a lot longer and sadly you've seen politics in some areas I tell you what if I ever see it, I'm going to come in and crush it. I've got no time for that at all. My f- one of my first jobs was in local government. I got a complete disdain for politics at that time. And what I mean by politics is manoeuvring. Not by somebody wanting to represent you and bless you as an MP. I'm talking about the politics of a P. Where you don't see and things are hidden. And things that get said behind the back and there's manoeuvring around. No, banished. This is about transparency. And what I love about Andy and Teresa is they are transparent. And part of the friendship Kay and I want to offer is transparency. It's the nature of kingdom friendship. Amen. Thirdly, fruit verse 8 how is God glorified come on I know you can speak I'll pick on somebody amen well done that we bear much fruit showing ourselves to his disciples it's wonderful what kind of fruit Yes, and he's surely talking about (laughs) eternal fruit. He's not talking about something that's transient just for this life or this age. He's talking about eternal fruit. Isn't this what we want to bear? We don't want to be building with hay, straw, wood. We want to be building with gold, diamonds, silver, things that last for eternity. So when it's tested, it's there in the kingdom. Question, how do we bear this fruit? Now this will give you a litmus test on where you're at on your journey. Not criticism, just a litmus test. How do we bear this fruit that will glorify the king? Pardon? Abiding in his love. Knowing his love more. You're on the right tracks. It's not 
about working harder. We don't do fruit, we be fruitful. Okay? There are, I know there are Christian brothers and sisters that are dear to Christ that would read this passage and what they would hear is, I've got to do more. I've got to make more effort. I've got to do this. That's not what Jesus was communicating here at all. He was saying, I've appointed you to bear fruit. I've appointed you to bear fruit. Just want to do this. We come from, I was born in a very working class background, and we used to buy HP sauce purely because it had a sign on saying, by royal appointment. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Yeah. Oh, HP sauce. And it would sit on the table. We are the same sauce as the Queen. I don't think she's ever had HP sauce. But uh, it was there. Now, this truth can either be a certificate that says, I'm appointed by the king to bear fruit, or it can be a life. Two very different things. And God, I know we met when we came in briefly. You know you're appointed, don't you? Yeah. It's not a certificate. It isn't. It's not like a graduation certificate that you can say, oh, now I'm a graduate. You're appointed, my friend, to bear fruit. It's now in your spiritual DNA. A plant doesn't have to do being the plant. It just is itself. It's in the DNA to bear fruit. Some of you are looking worried now, so I'll go back. (laughs) (laughs) I I can see the fear. I love back row people. Oh, you think God can't touch you there, don't you? Oh, it's great. (laughs) You know who has the last laugh on that one, don't you? And it's not you. But... uh, (laughs) You're appointed. You're chosen by the king, not by mistake, not by job lot. We were with the Dundee church. They bought a friary. They bought a friary. It is amazing. And one of the rooms is a library. And I went into the library. You have never seen such a collection of books. So there's all these Roman Catholic books. And then there's a whole shelf of Dick Francis. And well, that's an interesting... <laughs> <laughs> I obviously know what the monks like to read. They had that for the Pope, and we all read Dick Francis. <laughs> On Saturday, they had a kind of a clearing day or painting day, and we helped in the morning. But they were having this book person in to give them a valuation for taking all the books. But the deal was take everything. Now, within those books, the book dealer would know there's some things there worthless. But there's some treasures in there that make the whole deal worthwhile. God did not, does not approach us. Oh, well, I'll, I'll just take a job lot. And there's some rubbish in there. And there's one or two diamonds. You know, and Andy was born again on a good day. Because in the job lot, he came out. And there it was, a diamond. Yeah. It's a load of rubbish. No, no, no. He is a diamond. It's not true, I agree. 
But there was nobody who was saved on that day that were considered worthless. It was all priceless, but also handpicked. Nobody gets in by default, by accident, or without being chosen by the king. So your new name, and you have quite a few in scripture, is chosen. Part of your heavenly name is chosen. Part of your heavenly name is appointed. By royal appointment, the king has spoken. You're going to be fruitful. You're going to be fruitful. And it's wonderful that you're really starting to explore and get into your inheritance in Christ. Don't forget, fruitful. Enjoy the Father's love. We, we've been in Egypt, and equally we've seen the kids shouting out, Abba, Abba. And at first he caught it by surprise, because, did he say Abba? And then he did. And it was great to see it in action. Wonderful. Understanding that you're all priests. Free access into the presence of God. Children dearly loved. With the same love as the Father loves the Son. But don't forget, fruitful. Appointed by royal decree. Not just as a stamp, but as a reality. When you were born again, it's in your DNA. I just want to get behind it and release it. There's certain plants, we were having a funny story this morning about Teresa and her roses, but I'll let her tell you that on another occasion. But there's certain plants that they can treat now and they kind of put a cap on. I don't quite know how they do it, it's very clever, and I'm not a biologist, but they somehow stop the plant growing until it's planted and then it can grow. I, I don't know how they do it. I want to release anything, whether it's in here, whether it's in your history, whether it's in lack of understanding, whatever it is that's stopping you from being fruitful. Because you're called and chosen to be fruitful. And I want to just name three areas. There's a lot more, but I'll leave Andy to tell you all the rest. First one is Galatians 5, the nature of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. That's what it is. We can call it fruit, and Paul did, so it's good for us to call it that as well. But actually, it's the nature of the Spirit. It's the nature of the Godhead. Love, peace, joy, self-control. These are the very characteristics of God. I want to pray for you right now. Be fruitful in this area. That you are like Christ. And when people meet you, the fruit of the Spirit is there all over. Peace, joy, self-control, love. So that people may know that you're his disciples. Second is the fruit of sowing and reaping. 2 Corinthians 9. We're running out of time, so I'm going to be careful. In 2 Corinthians 9, Paul is talking to the Corinthians, and he's following up on a passage in 2 Corinthians 8 about the exhortation to the Corinthian church to give. And he uses the Macedonian church as a provocation. They're poor. 
you should look, the, you should look at the affliction that they're under. Everything's going against them, yet, against all that, their faith welled up and to give. In chapter 9, he starts talking about a principle that's deeply rooted in the kingdom, sowing and reaping. And you actually said it in your declaration right at the end. As we give, we trust that God will always give us enough to keep giving. Not only enough, that's the wrong word. He will, he will almost test you to see if you can outgive him. Because he'll always give you enough to be generous with. He won't just meet your needs. He won't necessarily make you rich so that the money's just stood there. But he will meet your needs, that's a cast iron promise, and always, so you can be generous. Always, without a doubt. Now, sometimes it's a bit of an exciting adventure, and I can tell you that. But fruitfulness, he talks about it as sowing and reaping, bearing fruit. I want to now release you for adventures with finance. You've got an office to rent and staff to take on. Isn't it brilliant you're facing the, the challenges of growth? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. And I know you've faced other challenges in the past. It's nice to be on this side of the challenges. Yeah. <clears throat> Fruitfulness with finance. Don't serve two masters. Serve God and go on an adventure with your finance. See what it can achieve for the kingdom and the glory of God. Because that's the only reason money was invented. From a kingdom perspective, looking at it from the historical point of God, it wasn't so we could have a capitalist system in the West. It was so it could be used to demonstrate the glory of God in how it could be multiplied and go way beyond what you've actually given. So I want to release generosity on you. I'm not just doing that. I believe the Spirit is firing into individual spirits right now. I want to release generosity of spirit right now. I want to release faith to go on an adventure with God. Don't go into debt to outgive God. Give what you've got and then wait for God to give you the more to give. And I tell you, it will come. And through the most unique and surprising ways. But I promise you it will come. Not because the North team are going to underwrite it, because God underwrites it. So be fruitful with finance. I'd love to hear from your eldership team in a year or two's time. We don't know where it's all come. But I tell you, we've got so much money, we're not even quite sure how to spend it all at the moment. Oh, pray. God can do this. If he can do it for the Macedonians, and it, there's an interesting quote there in 2 Corinthians 9, he says, they gave above their ability to give. Now, by definition, that has to be supernatural. It, it can't be. If you do something beyond your ability, you're in the realm of the supernatural, aren't you? By simple definition. Come on. You, you, you're developing a hunger for living in the supernatural. Oh, I've given it K. I was going to bring out my wallet. Put the wallet in the ring as well. Not just you want to know his love. That is, yeah.
but bring your wallet into the arena as well. Let the wallet get into the supernatural. Amen? Ooh, preaching that in Scotland. Oh, yes. <laughs> I know you're generous up here. I really do. Fruitfulness in salvation is the final one. You all know the parable of the sower. There it is in Matthew 13. Jesus explains to his disciples after sharing the parable that the parable of the sower is about sowing the kingdom and it would land in different kinds of soil. Some of it would be sown where there was weeds and eventually the troubles of life and cares and other things would come and crush the life out of this seed trying to grow. But then there'd be good soil. And he finishes in verse 23. And you get this amazing insight. And again, Andy didn't know. I told him I was going to talk about fruitfulness, but he didn't know specifically what. And he, he kind of prophesied, joked about the figure 200 in the prayer meeting. What's great is he's exceeded Jesus. And I like that a lot. Because in Matthew 13, Jesus says, in right at the end of the passage, verse 23, he produces a crop. This is where the soil lands in good soil. The soil of the kingdom produces a crop 30, 60, 100 times. Now, Jesus was on a roll then. He would have had Andy Merrick along inside. He said, 200, Lord, 200. That's brilliant. There's a fruitfulness in sowing the kingdom. Now you can discuss that for a whole preach. But one of them must be seeing souls saved into the kingdom. One of those fruits is seeing people redeemed, rescued, firmly brought into the kingdom, becoming passionate children of Christ. And it's not one or two. Being good people from UK. If I can see one person saved before I go to... You know, go to be with the Lord, praise God. What was Jesus saying? 30, 60, 100, dare to believe, 200. And he wasn't saying for the whole church. I think this was individually. So let's just say, I can't do my maths, but what is he? 120, 130? Somebody who's good at maths, multiply that by... Let's say it's 100. There's a lot more of you. But let's say it's 100, because I can do that easy. Multiply by 30, 3,000. 60, 6,000. 100. Come on. How big a church? And if they're producing 30, 60, 100... Now, it's not about the size of church. We're not playing brag rights. This is about advancing the kingdom. We're not into bragging. Although, every now and again, New Frontier slips into how big's your church. I don't like that at all. I'm more bothered about God getting the glory because there's more and more people in the kingdom. 30, 60. Sorry to pick on you, but God's on you right now. 30, 60, 100 times. 